Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. For more information, you can visit the Cinema Catch-Up Club's official Facebook page. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Or you can visit our website, thoughtjarproductions.com. This podcast is available on iTunes and SoundCloud, and we would really appreciate your subscriptions there, so pick your service of choice. For more information about this and other podcasts we produce, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. And now, for this week's episode. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week, we're sort of sticking with a semi-literary theme. After covering Matilda last week, when it turned 30 years old as a book, we're going to a different fantasy book, which is turning 50 years old, The Last Unicorn which was a fantasy novel written by the American author Peter Beagle, first published in 1968, and we thought we'd mark the occasion by watching the 1982 animated film version, which, um, it's a bit of an interesting one, because when when we offered this up to our regular guests, most of them went, what's the last unicorn? <laughs> uh, but when one of them didn't, that was, of course, Ellen Sears. How are you doing, Ellen? I am well. And How are you, Stephen? I'm good. And you have seen The Last Unicorn. I have. Um, I so, have. So for what I'm assuming is the majority of the audience who yeah. might not know what this... Um, I, I'd say it's probably a semi-obscure animated film from the early 80s. What, what's it about? Um... Well, it's by. <laughs> I'm trying. To, I'm trying to. I'm trying to figure out a non-spoilery way to sort of like say this because is... Jason hasn't seen it. No, yeah, yeah. Spoil our other the guest. whole thing. Yeah, so the guest here is uh, Mr. Jason Dolly. <laughs> Hello. I never thought this film existed until a couple you of hours ago. Me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, and to be honest, I didn't know this film existed until um, I started dating Ellen, and a couple of years in, mm. she. Made me watch it, and I went, "Oh, okay." Well, this exists. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, I suppose in a vague, non-spoilery sort of way, what it's a fantasy novel. So, what are some it of the is. things that we explore? Okay. Well, I mean, there's obviously like a lot of uh, magic and bits and pieces. The basic premise of it is that there's one unicorn left in the whole world, mm-hmm. and there's all these people going around going, "Oh no, unicorns don't exist anymore." And she's like, "How can I be the last one?" And so she basically goes on a quest to try and find all the other unicorns and what happened to them. And that takes her, she meets a couple of people along the way. It's your standard kind of like Wizard of Oz, you meet all your traveling companions on the way sort of thing. So it's a unicorn and she meets another couple of people. Um, Oh, the true treasure is the friends you make along the way kind of. Sure, but it's kind of a bit weirder than that. Um, Because, you know, well, (laughs) well, okay, it's a fantasy novel from the late 60s. So, you know. Yeah. uh, And yeah, it was adapted at the end of the 70s into this animated short so that mm. gives you a, a bit of a sense about <laughs> yeah so i'm guess, guessing i guess looking at like with late 60s and so on I, with fantasy i'm assuming it is kind of little lord of the ringsy and kind of its approach in a few ways a little bit but also kind of not at all it's it's an interesting one but yeah it looks at the idea of what would happen if there was this one unicorn left and she went looking to try and find out where the rest of them went because they've been around for such a long time and Mm. um a lot of the people that she meets as she goes they can't see that she's a unicorn because basically it's it's that idea of you know the magic only works if people believe in it so a lot of people walking by her 
and they see her on the side of the road or whatever, they just see like an ordinary horse? white horse essentially okay. because they, they, their brains have been trained to not see the unicorn because they don't think that they exist anymore. And so it's a lot of that sort of magic. But there's like there's magicians and there's people with childhood issues and there's <laughs> there's an evil king in a castle and he's got a son who's actually all right and yeah so a lot of a lot of sort of those classic fantasy tropes yeah yeah um i i suppose as as because I, again i've seen it once mm. i vaguely remember bits and pieces <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest it didn't really stick long in the memory beyond well mm. i've seen that now um mm. not that it was bad Mm. Just that I suppose that the way that we tell fantasy stories, particularly in film, has changed so much since the early 80s. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like, you know, stacking it up against, because the novel itself, The Last Unicorn, is mm. quite frequently in like your top 20 or top 30 fantasy novels of all time. Mm. Um, so, you know, it, it is being compared to things like The Lord of the Rings to The Chronicles of Narnia, those sorts of things. Yeah. Where do you think as a story it mm. sort of stacks up with those? I think it's sort of... That's a really hard one is, to Is answer. it kind of more, I guess, Narnia-ish? Like more for children in a way with the message that's trying to tell? Probably, but also like a lot of books that were written for children like the 50s and 60s. It's also got some pretty like hardcore stuff in there. Like there's a harpy that literally eats somebody at one point quite cool. graphically mm. um there's some other bits and pieces that are a bit like oh wow like mm. animal cruelty and stuff mm-hmm. like that so okay. some of some of it's a bit like whoa it's the kind of stuff that you wouldn't necessarily see in a children's film now or it would be more or Im- it, implied rather than shown yeah, yeah exactly right. this is a lot more kind of it's not really graphic like it is still implied and not like showing all the gory details yeah, but a bit there's like, some um, yeah yeah but like um the toys uh Sid's toys in Toy Story um yeah. in Toy Story how it's they're meant to be horribly mutilated yeah in a lot of ways and it's it's all this kind of insinuation and reaction that kind yeah. of paints it yeah it's a little bit of that but it's yeah the insinuations that are, are made in this they're just a little bit it's it's quite it's a little it's a little dark you know how like you know your original like um Aesop's and um I'm German. Like, I know how fairy tales work. Yeah, no, no, like like a lot of like your your original like source texts from your Grimm's and all of those ones. They're really very dark. Yes, this isn't quite that dark, but it's more towards that end of the spectrum, I think, than something like you know a lot of your contemporary Disney movies, mm. which are more like if I don't know the one that's coming to mind is something like Tangled, which is quite light and fluffy, and there's like a little tiny moment of darkness, and then it's all happy again. This is this is quite. Dark throughout. Dark throughout. Quite dark throughout, yeah. which, which, which I kind of like. Which, yeah, which does make for really good children's films, like the mm. ones that yeah. are probably going to stick in our minds like out of the current batch, like mm. Zootopia is yeah. pretty freaking dark for most of it. Yeah. Back to the fairy tales thing, though. Like, this is quite dark. Um, I had a couple of, like, VHS tapes with takes on fairy tales that were, like, Disney animations that were quite dark mm. as a kid. I don't know what that says about me as a person and I, I, how I've been shaped. Yeah, or how it's yeah. changed you, how it's become <laughs> you as a person. I'm such a dark yeah. and deep person now. Yeah. And this this film has like a pretty good cast list looking at it. You've got the voices yeah. of uh, Alan Arkin, Jeff Bridges, Mia oh. Farrow, uh, Christopher Lee, yeah. um, Angela <laughs> Lansbury. So, you know, it's it's a pretty good cast um, that, that they've got for this film. Mm. So um, shall we jump into it? Yes, let's. let's. All right. Yes. For those of you listening at home... Uh, Pop in your VHSs, I guess, yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, get out your America soundtracks as we prepare to watch The Last Unicorn. 
While Stephen and his guests are watching the film in question, I'm just going to take this moment to tell you about another project from Thoughtjar Productions. It's a science fiction radio play series called Atlantis, and it's available to download right now. All you have to do is go to www.atlantisradioplay.com, click the Listen Online tab, and you can listen online or download up to seven episodes of original science fiction content from Thought Jar Productions. That's atlantisradioplay.com. And now, back to the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching The Last Unicorn. And by we, I, of course, mean Ellen Sears. Hello. And Jason Dolly. Hey. So, Jason, it was your first time watching The Last Unicorn. <laughs> uh, what did you think? Um, yes. No, no, If I'm, I actually quite enjoyed it mm. overall. There's, mm. There was a lot of stuff that made me... Maybe in a different situation, like if I watched it younger, I'd probably enjoy it more. If I maybe watched it on my own and probably without someone who loves it, like Ellen, mm. I probably would have enjoyed it less. Mm. But overall, I had a good time with this film. Yeah. And that's, I came out of it smiling, like, you know, everyone was kind of cracking jokes at it. Yeah. Or, um,. Yeah, just trying to go. Yeah, it's fun. Mm, it's it's fun. it's it's, yeah. it's, it's it, I mean, look, I, I when I was watching it, um, and the first time I watched it, I think I had a, a similar feeling of because I watched it with someone who enjoyed it, uh, Alan again. Um, and when I first watched it, I was like, mm. okay, yeah, no, I can see this. Like, it it feels like a very sort of nineties uh, VHS thing that you would watch. You know, yeah. it feels like Fern Gully. It, it feels feel, like like yeah. anything that wasn't the first land before time when like they had less budget for yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's it's one of those things that where it's... made me so sad. I know. And it's then... on Netflix now in oh, Australia. Oh yeah, no, I saw that recently and I was mm. like, oh no. Yeah. Oh no, I don't think I can watch that. There's some very sad stories even outside of it too and around it. Yeah. So. I know. And it's yeah. interesting with those sad stories that you mentioned though, that this mm. this is another story which is quite melancholic. I think we're quite used to a lot of our upbeat animated fantasy stories being upbeat you know you've got like the genie played by robin williams you've yeah. got things like that happening whereas um in this one it's it's quite um sorrowful it's quite not really mournful but it's very wistful very much um yeah you know very much about um the flaws of, of mankind not being able to see the magic around mm. them it's the flaws of the universe i think yeah. i think a lot of children's literature around that sort of like mid-century was quite melancholy mm. um i'm thinking about people like paul gallico who wrote very sad stories mm. um and this is obviously a little bit later than that uh, paul gallico was writing primarily in the 1950s this is the late 60s mm. but i feel like there's a certain it's that post-world war ii kind of yeah, you've got Cold a Cold War. Yeah, also, it's a kind of about, even with this and, you know, most other things that I can think of in that time, like yeah. C.S. Lewis, it's about, you you know, your characters have to bring the happiness back into the world. Yes. And that is probably quite a post war kind of logic that mm. comes through. I mean, very much in, in Narnia because, you know, it is set during the post war yeah. period. Well, no, the, during the war. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it is about the children during the war having to essentially create their own the, happiness. Create the good in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it is interesting. Um to to go through the story, it's <clears throat> it's it's a bit of a tricky story to tell because I don't think the film tells it very well at all, yeah. I'll be honest. Um yeah. I feel as though it's it's well, that's it, interesting because yeah. the screenplay was written by the guy who wrote the novel. So obviously He's, He's true. But he when, was a novelist, but not a screenwriter. Yeah, maybe maybe the idea that he can't 
he can't get around. This is something we've mm. talked about before with this translation. Mm. When you had me on for Amadeus, the translation from medium A to medium B yeah. can be quite difficult and quite different. Yeah. And books, mm. books are literally the hardest thing to turn into a movie in a lot yeah. of ways. There's been almost every, most movies are based on a book or something mm. like that, and. With the inability to internally monologue something to convince someone. Yeah, so I, th- I, I think it's very telling the fact that they rely so much on voiceover and repetition of voiceovers from um, from the butterfly early on and yeah. hers as well. They rely on those in order to make sure, like, audience, do you still understand where we're up to? Yeah, and there were some points, like, when like, even this idea of, like, connections between one bit and another bit, I felt like it, it kind of didn't do it was that. Clum- it was clumsy. It yeah. was clumsy. Like, the idea of... Like, I didn't think anything of him turning... Like, comparing um, Alan Arkin's character... Schmendrick. 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 Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> like, if anybody's been listening to this and just heard me say Schmendrick for the first time, you need to watch the film because, like, Schmendrick is the best name that's ever it happened. It is, yeah. Um, <laughs> ever. I called him Schmenjamin at one point, which might beat it. But he, when he, after he's, like, you know, he turns unicorny. Mm. Amalfi? She's uh, she's, she's Lady Amalfi. Lady Amalfi. Amal- Amalfia. Yeah, that's, that's Amalfi. Yeah, that's yeah. The Amalfia. Duchess Amalfi is yeah. what I was thinking. She's the la- she's the Lady Amalfia when mm. she's changed into woman. Before that, she doesn't have a name. She's, she's just, just a unicorn. unicorn. Yeah, yeah, even the point, like you know, she is literally like, "What's my name, bitch?" To the um, <laughs> butterfly for a while there. Yeah, yeah. Tell me, and tell me what I am. Yeah, tell me Who what am I am. I? Mm. And um, yeah. but when I think it's when she's running away from the Red Bull with um, with Jeff Bridges the first time well as a human after, oh, yeah. after they've gone through the clock hmm. there's a fade where they see her as a unicorn and cuts back I'm like oh yeah that's right because um, the witch that he was hanging around with used to do that to other animals and now he's kind of done it and it didn't really click like you know I think if it was better mm. written you you would have made that connection mm. much easier like even if it was mm. like oh just like the witch mm. used to do I feel as though what it is is that um, what Peter Beagle's tried to do in making the screenplay of his own book is he's tried to include too much of the book in that in sense. It. So mm. yeah. there are certain important plot points which just get discussed in two sentences and then you sort of move on. You get on. told, not shown. And I, and I also think the type of dialogue that they use um, doesn't really work. And I don't know if it's uh, because the words just aren't right for the film or if it's the actor's presentation style, but certain information I feel gets lost very quickly. Mm. We, we were sort of enjoying, um, I suppose, ironically, Jeff Bridges' very um, sort of dull dull delivery. But in a way we sort of understood most things that came from Prince Lear. Yeah. Whereas I feel as though we lost certain things with Schmendrick or with Rook um, or with some of the other characters. Yeah, most of those characters that are heavily characterised. Because like they were muttering. Underst- yeah, we understood what Lear was about. Yeah. He was about impressing the girl and trying to pin as many medals to his chest as he could. Exactly. Um, and mm. killing a dragon in a monologue. Yeah. In a um, montage. It, montage, yeah. Which was one of my favourite points in the film is if you have a dragon being killed in a montage... You really should have a really fantastic film if that's the bit that just gets brushed over. Yeah, is yeah. The dragon but, but, being murdered. But I think that's a good that's a good um, comparison to some of those other plot points. I, I having not read the book, I imagine that maybe mm. Prince Lear going out and killing the the Chinese themed dragon and bringing the head back. Yeah, is is arguably maybe like a chapter. <laughs> Ladies love heads. Yeah, exactly. Ladies love dragon heads. And yeah. um, and the idea of um, that. <laughs> just what happens when you get dating advice from Christopher Lee? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Son, <laughs> if you wish to impress this lady, you must bring her many dragon heads. I know that's what I'd like. <laughs> um, it's yeah, it's it's it is. It does feel as though it's just weirdly paced. Um, 
but but ultimately, I, I don't think the film, whilst it suffers from that, I, I'm struggling. I don't think this is a very good film, mm. but I think there's a lot to get out of it. So it's the mm, sort of thing yeah. where even if it's something that's not going to get necessarily a very high score, I still think it's worth experiencing yeah um I, but i think it's something to just be aware it's very if, interesting yeah it's really interesting particularly when you consider the time period in which it was made mm. um and like when it came out because this was a few years before the disney renaissance and there were a lot of animation companies doing a lot of really interesting things mm. in your kind of like late 70s early 80s even going into your later 80s and then also through into the 90s as well you had like i mean you've got these guys so you've got rankin bash you've got don bluth mm. was doing a lot of stuff um, you had Miyazaki was starting as Miyazaki well. Miyazaki was yeah. starting. And there's a lot of connections between the production house that yeah. made this film. They would go Rank on to bass. do... Yeah, a lot of the team that, um, that did some of the animation from this would then go on and do... Um, um, well, most of the animators Some were... of the early Miyazaki films. Yeah, like, yeah. there was yeah. a lot of Japanese names in the credits at the end there. Yeah. yeah. Um, which... Maybe that's why there was a Chinese dragon. Maybe there was like a... Oh, yeah, draw a dragon. Oh, yeah, we and, know what they yeah, look like. And there was even yeah. at one point that the singing butterfly guy you, you said I Jason. said he looks like Porco Rosso. Yeah, he looks like a Miyazaki character. And yeah. then you realise, oh, well, it, it was an influence. These, because this is one of the first things they did before yeah. going over to Hideo. It's, um, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, it is. Um, and this kind of leads back, if, if we're kind of done with what we're talking about, but I yeah. just want to talk about the animation style. Yeah. Because it... I don't know about you, but like it felt choppy as hell. Like yeah. characters, it's really clunky. It's clunky, and it's, also characters don't yeah. look like they belong in the same film. It's There's... very uncanny valley. Like it's a bit weird because I yeah. think it's kind of uh, it's it's stylized, it's, but it's it's stylized. The actual mm. style, like in the still images, like if you were to take a still from this, mm. it's really quite pretty. And like the actual stylistic features, and you know, like the interesting faces but and I things also, like yeah, that. But I also feel like there's eight different stylized guides going on. There's not yeah. one overarching. None of these characters look like they should be in the same film. Yeah, yeah Schmendrick and Molly. Schmendrick are completely don't, different. Yeah, Schmendrick don't look, doesn't look the same as Molly. He doesn't yeah. look the same as the unicorn. Yeah, it doesn't look the same as the other, the human unicorn, mm. which doesn't. Lear, 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 and Mummy Fortuna have a similar sort of ashen. Sallow yeah, He's got red eyes for no themselves. reason, a different like shape. Yeah. Then like if you, we looked at it, like you've got the Miyazaki looking characters like the witch and Brook. And the butterfly. And the butterfly. And then you've got like even um Leah kinda looks like this kind of fear and loathing in Las Vegas kind of style. Have, have you any of you guys seen the Star Wars holiday special? Uh no, I have not. No, okay, well that's probably gonna come up at one point, I'm mm-hmm. sure. But there's a um there's a bit an animated bit and the Han Solo character looks so weirdly misshapen and he looks like that. Yeah. As in, and do you mean Prince Lear or do you mean King Haggard? Prince Lear. Okay, oh so like, okay. yeah, yeah, like just I... with the floppy hair and okay. whatnot. Like yeah, he, he looks quite lean and weird compared to everybody else. Because yeah. I thought it was interesting how um Lear and Haggard Obviously, even though they were um, different characters and it turns out weren't related. Weren't related, yeah. They did have that same... That was brushed over too. Yeah. With the dialogue. It's like, oh, it's my son. Not my son. Never mind. I found it on the doorstep. It just kind of... I thought having a child would make me happy and I was wrong. No, watching unicorns breathe in underwater. That's fun. Yeah. (laughs) That is what brings me joy. Uh, dragon heads. But they had the same animation style. And then obviously when you had... 
and I've just realised there was. Um, I, I just have to look at my notes to make sure that I've got this. Mm. There was a wizard called Mobrook who just disappeared Mabrook, and yeah. didn't come back into. Yeah, that warned yeah. you that it's gone through your front yeah. gate and it's not coming out the back yeah. way. I was waiting <laughs> for that. Sounded bad. Yeah, I was waiting for <laughs> for Mabrook to be like to come back and be, be like, like you stole my job, Smendrick. I'm gonna yeah. get get back at you, and it didn't happen. And it's like, well, what was the point? <laughs> yeah, why was he there? Yeah, and I do feel a little bit like that with a lot of this film. It's like, why are you here? The butterfly, to an extent, I was like, why do we have this butterfly yeah. here? Because um, he goes on for a long time. And I actually yeah. looked at Stephen at one point, and Stephen goes, I don't remember the butterfly being No, in I this. don't. <laughs> I remember Molly Grew, but I didn't remember that Molly Grew came with like a crew of like, we're not Robin Hood, we swear, wink, wink. Uh, and then yeah. they get the whole weird ghostly visage of Robin, of Robin Hood. Of Robin Hood. And it yeah, just... Schmendrick, Schmendrick does that. And they all just run out like, was little unicorn. John. No, no, it was Schmendrick. It was Schmendrick? It was, okay. it, I think it was meant, I, I think. I feel like it was Schmendrick, but maybe she was like enhancing his yeah. power possibly. I feel as though it was meant to demonstrate that Schmendrick didn't have full control of his powers, which I think is... Which is true. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it... it because it she's looking over at one point, and then maybe I looked down or looked at something else for a second, mm. and then mm. I, then all the images kind of started. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I just assumed because she was there. Yeah, yeah. It's Cap- yeah. Cap- Captain Cully and, and his lot. I just love the fact that Molly Grew is just like... Where are you going? I'm coming with you. Hmm. And Schmendrick's like, no, you're not. And she's like, yeah, I am. screw you. I'm, yeah, going with, I'm going with you, whether you like it or not. I was like, didn't you have a husband? Yeah, but you know, they're crap. Yeah, I'm just well, going to leave them to starve. <laughs> I'm just going to leave them she's, to starve. She's a bit, um, I don't, don't want to say, she she, flick, she moves around in her emotions a lot. Like, yeah. as soon as she's a unicorn, she's like goes from being so happy to see it to crying to, I want to punch the unicorn because it didn't come earlier. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, this is... I think it's as well. She's meant to be um, an older lady. You can hear it in her voice. She's yeah, got that yeah. kind of, but she doesn't look old in the animation style. She's very smooth faced. Yeah. Um, and she's obviously yelling at the unicorn because she's like, you know, I always dreamed as a little girl, as a young maiden, that the unicorn would come because the unicorn only comes to you if you're pure of heart and blah, 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 blah and all that kind of stuff, all that mythos stuff. Yeah. And she's like, how dare you come to me now when I'm old and ruined, essentially. And it's yeah. like, oh, man, mm. that's which, some pretty heavy stuff. Yeah, which I, I would have been interested <laughs> to see that explored potentially in, in the film. She was probably the most deep character in, yeah. in it, probably. Molly. Molly, yeah, yeah. I'd say so. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, I mean, everybody else is I, archetypes. I, 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 so. I, just, I just like the fact that she's like, yeah, I'll go with you. Yeah, it's... <laughs> I'm going to do the thing. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> she's very flaky. She just kind of like does her own thing. I just go wherever the wind takes me. Yeah, but she's also quite committed to things as well when she when she wants to be. Yeah, yeah And exactly. then she's not very committed later. Like, you know, I, I guess I was married at one point. Yeah. I, mm. Yeah. And then it's sort of implied that by the end of it, she's hooked up with Schmendrick in some sense. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. I think is, is interesting. Yeah, there's a little bit of subtext that they're kind of clinging on to each other and stuff. Yeah, yeah like, so mm. we could... We, there's another horse here we could ride, but nope. nope. Yeah. Um, the soundtrack. I love it. Uh, which I think should America. be renamed uh, Riding Through the Forest on a Unicorn with No Name. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because it is America. I was thinking that too. Yes. Um, I quite like the soundtrack, even though I don't think I liked any of the songs. I like yes, the songs. I would agree with that too. Like I've got like part of it playing in my head right now. Yeah. Da, 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 unicorn. And it's like, it's that guitar violin mm. mix that they were using for most of it. Yeah. yeah. It feels, to be honest, the whole... I, like America, I think are a perfectly fine band, um, mm. but the very sort of, I think it's partly because the the combination of like that sort of, uh, that th- that style of music with this sort of ethereal, otherworldly uh, fantasy. I think stuff, it kind of makes it, sense though because it's it, a guitar. It's got it, it's it's not a lute, but it's along that same yeah, kind of stringed it, instrument. It fits. It's portable. It's, yeah, medieval. It, it's a Spanish guitar, yeah. Yeah. which kind yeah. of adds to this, like. 
Where are they, question? Pseudo-medieval. Who... It's probably but, but Europe. They know, but they, yeah, but they know Robin Hood. Yeah. But there's also magic. Mm. But there's also this. But there's it's also like, a um... Chinese dragon. What's going on? And yeah. there's also God, because at one there's, point, Shrendrick references oh God. God. Yeah. Um, well, if it's the medieval period, well, kind of like a medieval period, mm, yeah. some sort it's, of... It is interesting, though. I think the music, whilst it complements it really well, I just can't help but escape the feeling that these are all guys who would have gone, anyway, here's Wonderwall. And... <laughs> Like it's, it's twenty years before Wonder Woman. Yeah, exactly. It's it's that sort of feeling where I think it suits the film, but I mm. and I, I but at the same time I think it actually quite severely dates the film. Yes. In that oh, sense. Oh yeah, like no, the, the, I'd agree with The animation that. does that to an extent, but I think animation yeah. has a sort of timeless quality. It, um, yeah, where you like you can still enjoy an animation from the nineteen thirties, even though it's very clearly got that sort of um you know, steamboat willy style. Yeah. You can still enjoy it. I feel as though um, the music dates this film mm. a lot more. Music than... music dates a lot of things yeah. in a lot oh, of ways. Oh, yeah. Big, yeah. big time. I really love the soundtrack because it's really chilled out and mm. the guitar and the whatever mm. else. And but you I know think... the songs. You're singing them. Yeah, I do know the songs. I have this soundtrack. <laughs> like, I, like, actually have the songs on my computer somewhere. Um, <laughs> Did you have... I was going to assume it would be a cassette back then. Mm. No, well, I, just, I, fa- I had to find it. it. I, I had to find it online because I couldn't actually get a physical copy of a CD of, of it. Of The Last Unicorn, yeah. Yeah, not of mm. the soundtrack anyway. I found it online a long time ago and went, mm. yes, but I had to hunt really hard for it. Mm. And I can't remember where I got it from. It was like some deep, dark recesses of the internet. I did find it. It might have been. It might have been somebody put it up on YouTube or something. Okay, and you're able to rip it from there. Somehow. Yeah, I think I must have done something like that because yeah. Anyway, enough about our illicit um, internet activity before <laughs> yeah, no. we, uh, but we get to, We bought it. I was. We I was, bought it. I yes. was. A ch- I was a child when I did this, so therefore it's. You know, I, I don't know if that's going to fly. Be, yeah. I can't be tried as an adult because I did it as a child. Yeah. Anyway. Well, it's all good. <laughs> and for if any of the members of America are listening, we we have bought everything legally. Yeah. Um, I know I have, a lot of people have, have been the to VHS. their concerts. Yes. So. I have the VHS. We bought that. Yeah, we've got the VSS, VHS. Um, the the <laughs> Witch Mummy Fortuna was, was in this film quite briefly, but I think it was one of the sort of better sequences in the film. Yeah, mostly because it was very Miyazaki. So I was sitting there just going, okay, cool. Like it kind of as mm. Howl's moving cut. Like, did you notice her hood mm. just became a tree yeah. for no good reason? It was a tree from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, but no, but it was all like, you know, it's hood and then as you move further up, it becomes tree. Yeah, yeah. and like, you have a bird perching in it. And yeah. It, yeah it's, it was a really lovely design. I it quite does like... remind me of the witch from um, Howl's Moving Castle, the yeah. old one that gets mm. turned tiny. And a little bit of Radagast the Brown as well. Yes. Which I thought was quite a nice touch. Um, it also reminded me, f- fracturally, especially around the face... Um, of the witch from um, Spirited Away. Same sort of thing again. Yeah, yeah. That really tiny crouched. Crouchy yeah. thing, yeah. And, and also with the face being quite long. Yeah. It was kind of, well, like wide. Wide, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it was wide, like, not long, long. She had like a heart-shaped face. She had like a little like pointy mm. chin and then the pointy mm, And the rook as yeah. well yeah. kind of had that look. And quite big eyes as well. Yeah. And I also yeah. really like the fact that she, she'd captured a harpy and knew it was going to kill it and she didn't care. Yeah, I really like, love that. She's like, uh, I've, it was a really nice way of summing up that little bit of immortality because I feel as though immortality is obviously quite an important theme in this film Mm. and you know we know that unicorns live forever we know that harpies live forever and Mm. we know that humans cannot and so the witch basically says no matter what happens the harpy will always remember me for I was the one who caught it and that is my my immortality I'm just going to like stamp it for 20 years and that's her yeah her claim towards immortality which which also led to that weird scene where her and the, um, the unicorn both have like her like a 
prophecy off. Yeah. Where they're yeah. like, well, you're going to die this way. Well, you're going to die that way. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, th- I thought all that bit was interesting. I did like it the It was idea. very um, talkiny. Yeah. I'd yeah. say. Like, it was mm. these people talking kind of riddles to each other. Yeah. And mm. also the traveling circus element, even though the circus that was, was very, a sham. Yeah. It, was, it, was, it was quite interesting. And it, I suppose that and bit... And historically accurate. Yeah. Mm. That bit made me want to know a bit more about the world they were in. More yeah. so than basically anything else like the, the the castle that king haggard was living in was just kind of like there's a very generic, generic castle. castle we called it isengard at a couple of points yeah it was, it was and like uh, yeah i i just don't think either time i've watched this film it's particularly hooked me mm. um but that bit kind of does but that bit did because it's like there is this weird world out there and it was a yeah. good example of the mad max style of showing not telling well this yeah. is a movie of almost pure telling not showing yeah yeah. Um, that you suddenly got this it tells taste of you, the other thing. It tells you a lot about and the world was, that they're in. You're like, okay, cool. That, that that insinuates that there's a weird, like, she's a weird capitalist witch. Yeah. Which <laughs> is quite cool because I don't, can't really think of too many capitalist witches. Yeah. The Red Bull as kind of like our... It's big, very Balroggy. Yeah, very Balroggy. Mm. I thought Red Bull was pretty cool. Yeah, Red, no, I, I really like the Red Bull. It has really pointy teeth. Yeah. Death for a herbivore. <laughs> Death awaits us all with nasty, big, nasty, pointy teeth. Nasty, sharp, pointy teeth. teeth. Um, yeah. Yeah. But no, you was, were on that one. Yes, I was. Yeah. But, it but was... Uh, terrifying as a child. Mm. I mean, as you can imagine, a lot of things in this movie were scary as a small child. Like, you know, they had yeah. the skeleton that was talking and the, the red bull oh, is scary. yeah. The laughing skeleton. Actually, Skeleton's I so really great. enjoyed the laughing skeleton. Yeah, I'm so uh, not yeah, I'm surprised. Su- yeah, I'm not surprised <laughs> that you enjoyed the laughing skeleton. Just, uh, give me wine. <laughs> I just want to remember. Yeah. What, what they just th- give him an empty bottle in the end. Yeah. Yeah. One of, the, one, one of the things that I like about the Red Bull is the way that it's kind of partially corporeal and partially not. It kind of shifts between modes depending yeah, is, on is how you're looking or is, at it. Is it an actual yeah. bull or is it like a Patronus of a bull? Yeah, it, it's something like that. But I want to know is how, you know, you know, you never find out, is Haggard controlling it? How is he controlling it? Because he says, I told the Red Bull I like unicorns and he brought me all unicorns. Yeah, so, so it's, you know, is Haggard controlling the bull which, or is it... Yeah, mm. which is another bit of good world building that they do, which is when um, they go, oh, so what's King Haggard like? And then... We've heard all these stories. Said, you know, he's in charge of everything or the bull's actually keeping him prisoner or he protects the bull or the bull protects him or yeah. he protects the bull. Nobody really knows. Nobody it's... really knows. It's all these different stories. And you're like, cool, that's an interesting world. Yeah. Like this is hinting at this world where we really only see, we probably talk to eight people and meet about 20 yeah. overall. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's not, we don't get to go too in depth, no. but when we get those moments, it it, it is quite enjoyable. It's, it's good, yeah. yeah. And certainly, I think that the the Red Bull was was nice and fearsome, and and uh, was a good. Uh, I like um, Yeah, one of the cool things about it, and I didn't realize how cool it looks. I mentioned it looks like uh, for anybody who's played any of the Legend of Zelda's, like Ganon, the mm. the boar character yeah. that one of the guys turns into. Mm. And it's the big, huge, bulking body, but then really small legs. Mm. Yeah. For some reason, looks makes you just look bigger. Mm. And like, really, think like anything that you describe as small legs, usually kind of imagine to be small, but because he makes such huge strides and he's essentially a tank on legs. Yeah. Um, and even that style looks like the angry Chicago Bulls, yes, sort drama of like bull yeah. kind of yeah. look as well. Yeah. So, yeah, no, a nice, fearsome bull. 
certainly a more interesting, uh, I'd say, sort of castle creature than the pirate cat, which I, I just, oh, the pirate cat. It was just a bit confusing, really. It like, was just in you know, it. I'm, I'm a pirate cat. Here's 20 seconds of me. Yeah, I've got a peg leg. Isn't that cute? And I swap my eye patch over. Literally at the end of the like the last time you ever see me, he swaps the eye patch, which is also the first time he talks. Yeah. Also, yeah. I'm a talking cat. Yeah. That's, Why that's not? Fine. Yeah. It's just <laughs> they're no. like, oh, like, probably, we don't believe in it, unicorns anymore, but talking cats. Yeah, and whatever. the unicorns probably killed it. By bringing down the castle. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Unless the cat's immortal as well. Maybe. Might as well be. It makes <laughs> yeah. much sense. Maybe it has like else. this weird... <laughs> <pact>. <laughs> I'm the pirate cat and I will live forever. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's like the witch has got this pact with the castle. It's like, eventually I... the castle will kill me, but I'll have I I, I, I want to know why so. it has an eye patch because the eye is actually fine. Yeah, and normally, And normally pirates wear the eye patch so that when they were going below and above deck, then they'd have an eye that was, you know... Ready for the below Ready deck. Ready for the below deck. I think it was arguably just a thematic choice from the cat, but it could it, it could also just be to indicate uh, trickiness, like, oh, we don't know. Two-faced. Can we trust, oh, 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 yeah. oh, oh, we trust yeah. this cat? Because right at the end, it's just given this information to Molly, but then it switches its eye patch and goes, ha-ha, I have fooled you. I am a deceiver. And then even the, in the end, like, the riddle's kind of true, but yeah. it doesn't seem like it's the way to get in. Like, he describes it like it's the key to get in. He's yeah. the wine, get the do, get the do, get the do. Yeah. And it's not like every time that skeleton talks to someone, you know, he asks for wine in the same kind of way. Yeah. So give me the wine. Yeah. So yeah. it's. I think it is kind of this. You you accidentally self fulfill the prophecy, or yeah. make other people do it by making up shit, or whatever the guy did. Mm. Pretty much. And then the film ultimately ends with uh, the the unicorn, our our unicorn, sort of. Uh, Transforming back into the unicorn, uh, fighting the Red Bull when uh, Prince Lear gets knocked over on the beach. Mm. Uh, no, we he need dies. a hero. He yeah. dies. Yeah, he dies. Oh, yeah, he did. We need a hero. <laughs> he come back and he's like, I, I had a dream. I can do that. Oh. I, I had a dream. Oh, wait, no, I was dead. Yeah. <laughs> and it ends with, uh, obviously, the, the unicorn freeing all of the other unicorns. There are unicorns back in the world. Prince Lear just buggers off somewhere. He doesn't really say what he's doing. Yeah. Him. I am sad. I never got to tell her how I feel, even though there was a whole song with Jeff Bridges singing quite well. Uh, but I just yeah, the, the, he, I think she knows because he kind of, you know, yeah. gave her a lot of dragons. Yeah, and, and you wrote down "I love you" and on a lot of scrumpled up bits of paper. <laughs> so you know, yeah, she'd have come well, across. That's the thing. I love the fact that he's like, I've tried all she these different read. ways of courting you. I just want to be of service to you. Why won't you let me <laughs> do things? Ah. Yeah. I just think, much like his father, he will never be happy. I think that's arguably. So he's going to be the villain in something else. Yeah. Yeah, in the the the, there the, is a the sequel. Master unicorn. There is yeah. a sequel. I have I got given as a present a couple of years ago um the the sequel to this. Oh, what, what's the it book? About? I don't know. I haven't read it. Okay. Because um, I, I wondered if this was my, maybe a trilogy that got shortened down. Possibly. Like, and even the dragon montage is mm. an entire book where they all go off on an adventure and kind of come back. Like, Possibly. Kind mm. of void to the dawn treader style. Um, but yeah. yeah, I feel like I feel like um Peter Beagle wrote a couple of books. Mm-hmm. Relating to unicorns, whether they were all like the same characters or what or not, I don't know. Yeah, like, but yeah, the last, yeah, yeah. Well, we were making a lot of last Jedi jokes with the last unicorn <laughs> yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and I did say at the end, it's like if this ends on a beach overlooking a um, rock formation, and lo and behold, lo and behold, yeah. there it, it was. Yeah, um, and yeah, ultimately, you know, the, the, the our final unicorn, uh, the Mia Farrow unicorn, comes back to Shmendrick and the basically fact. says. Um, well, you know, now I feel regret because I've uh, I know what it's like to be mortal, but at the same time, all my people are free. I don't know if I can go back to my forest and be the same, and I'm going to go try it anyway. Good luck with your life. And she goes, and we sort of just get an end credit sequence that doesn't 
really explain that at all. No. She sort of just disappears back into the wild. But, yeah, which kind of yeah. reminds me a lot of old films used to do that. Mm. They would literally finish at the end of the main beat. Even um, if you ever watch Bela Lugosi's Dracula, mm. it's literally Dracula gets stabbed and some people walk down the stairs and then credits roll. Mm. Like, mm. some, like, a lot of those films used to just, like, We've hit the main points. Cool. Let's go. There's not a wrap up and a mate. Yeah. You feel like perhaps it good. was beauty that killed the beast. King Kong is over. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's yeah. It's it. <laughs> it does feel a little bit like that. Um, yeah. yeah. But ultimately, it was a film that. Yes. Um, I think <laughs> it was, it a, was film. a film. Yeah, that is written a... on the VCR cover. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look, I, I I know that I didn't enjoy this film, but I also feel as though it's it's not a bad film. No. That, that it's one of those films yeah. where it's like, it's fine, but at the same time, <laughs> it's just not for me. Fine. Ooh. Yeah, fine. Like, yeah. like cinema parodies are fine. Yeah, yeah it's, um, yeah. <laughs> Would you guys like some trivia? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I love it. Uh, when I read this trivia earlier, I thoroughly enjoyed this. Uh, and it's because it just sounds so, so apt. Um, Christopher Lee, who was the voice of King Haggard, showed up for the recording session with his own copy of the book, with several places marked um, to indicate things that must not, in his opinion, be omitted from the film. <laughs> oh, my God. This is the man who reads Lord of the Rings every year. Yeah. Or read Lord of the Rings every year. Yeah. And so. had, a, had had, like, a death metal album. Death metal yeah. album. But he, about, the his, more, the about his family history. I know. The, man, the more I hear about this guy, Christopher like, Lee, yeah. posthumously, just... The more I'm like, man, what a what a what a legend. More Christopher Lee facts. He was also he was also. <laughs> we don't have any last unicorn facts. It's all, yeah. just it's all Christopher Lee. Lee. That's well, fine. Yeah. Well, Did few... you know he was cousins with Ian Fleming? <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a few which are related here. Um, he also provided the voice of King Haggard in the German version of the film. Oh yeah. Uh, with his oh, of course. Koenig Howard. Yes. Uh, oh yeah. What would what what would his um, Koenig Howard? If if he was to say only unicorns make me happy in German, what would that be? Oh, no, oh, I, don't, I really don't know the German word for unicorn. Oh. One horn. I think it's yeah. Einhorn. What it, means. I, it, it might literally be Einhorn. Mm. Okay. But so Einhorn might also be a last name as well. Um, I've never known what unicorn is, but yeah. Anyway, um, your homework then. Yeah, do it. Never came up in conversation while I was living there. Surprisingly. Well. Wow. Yeah. I um I learned a lot of other ones, but no, <laughs> just yeah. not unicorn. Just not unicorn. Unicorn was not useful for your day to day existence. If, if only the butterfly came by and he explained what the French word for unicorn was. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. could have got round to it. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other Christopher Lee fact relating to this film is that the author Peter Beagle showed up to a recording session whilst Christopher Lee was there recording uh, King Haggard's monologue about how only unicorns brought him happiness. Uh, Lee begged Beagle for his approval of the vocal performance and offered to record it again if the author found it unsatisfactory. Amazing. So, like, Christopher is there just being a big fanboy. But I, I also feel like he'd be a very intimidating <laughs> fanboy. Ah, Peter, I am a big fan of your work. Now, if this, if my voice is not satisfactory, you just let me know. <laughs> like, he'd just be like, uh, no, Christopher Lee, I think it's fine. <laughs> I just wanted to play with him. And just playing. No, I always imagine him more sounding like Peter Cushing. Mm. <laughs> oh. Can we get Vincent Price in? <laughs> yeah. um, uh, poor Christopher Lee worked with so many people named mm. Peter. Yeah. yeah. Um, a live action version of the novel has been uh, in development hell for many years. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me. I think yeah. this, especially with, we were talking, Ellen and I just at the end of it, about mm. the environmental message mm. behind it. And I 
Literally a couple of days ago, I watched Kong. Skull Don't put Island. things into cages. It's bad. Exactly. It's got a message, and the, you know, King Kong was turned into an environmental message with Skull Island, which isn't the worst film. It's a bit dumb in places, but mm. I well, think it's, it's a lot like this. Yeah. It's a lot like the last yeah. unicorn in this. So mm. I could see someone taking that and kind of going with it, but. I mean, it makes sense. There was a lot of stuff, not I mean, a little bit during the 80s, but like the 80s and 90s, there was a lot of stuff that was really pushing with like the ecological messages. I mean, if you think mm. about like Captain Planet and like a lot of other movies that were out and about, but, yeah. Fern Gully, mm. all that, those that, things that's that came out. 90s. This is still 10 years away from that. Oh, yeah. But, but this, nowadays. This, but, if you, but if you look at this in context of like this was the early 80s and then – over time, yeah, yeah, it kind yeah, of evolved it, into that. And then by the time we hit the 90s, it was like big on the yeah, ecological and it stuff. Yeah, away for a bit and then comes... Well, now even, it's, now even, it's come back again. Even Lord of the Rings has an entire like subplot in the middle film. Oh, which yeah. Which is pure ecology. Well, yeah. You know, don't don't knock down the trees or the trees are going to come back and knock down your house. They're going to mess you up. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, as well, that's also based on a book, which was from... Yeah, and Tolkien had a very environmental message in mind, too. That's right. So That's right. That and war is crap. War is crap. And, yeah. and you know, he's not wrong. <laughs> yeah, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. Yeah. So with the live action versions that they've been muted, uh, they're, uh, muted, sorry, um, and, and ultimately and muted. muted. Cause, cause muted and muted. Yeah, because nothing's muted. happened. <laughs> and um, muted. <laughs> Takes a very uh, long time. Okay, calm time down, Sarah Curtis. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Christopher Lee and Angela Lansbury were both um, set to reprise their character roles in different <gasps> versions. So we would have had Christopher Lee as Haggard and oh, Angela yes. Lansbury. That makes sense. Oh, that would have been so witch. good. Um, but as of 2013, ongoing legal disputes stemming from the original animated film coupled with budgetary issues have stalled the project. Although author Peter Beagle uh, has completed a new screenplay and still expresses hopes that the film will one day be made. So it could happen. Who do you want? Oh, to what to play Haggard? No, no, no. no. Oh, well, okay. Let's let's go for your big Christoph characters. Waltz. Christoph Waltz is Haggard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. the unicorns make me happy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I mean, that. Angela Lansbury. Angela yes, Lansbury. Absolutely. Who would be? Who would be Schmendrick? Schmendrick. I got a real Jerry Seinfeld vibe from him. Mm. I was thinking um, Seth Rogen. No, what's his face uh, from the Mac PC ads? Is it Jason Biggs? Justin Long? Justin Long, yeah, sorry. Justin Long, Justin yeah. Long. The yeah. guy from Idiocracy. And, yeah, yeah. Um, I, yeah. I could see Justin Long doing a pretty good Schmendrick. Mm. Yeah, true, true. Yeah. Who, um, would play, who would play the unicorn? Probably somebody get, like Sassy Ronan or somebody like that. I was going to say Alison Brie. Oh, oh yeah. Both, they're both good choices. Yeah, like yeah. I, I, th- I don't know if I'm just getting Princess Unikitty from the Lego movie in my head. <laughs> 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 makes me so angry! <laughs> yeah. No, I think I think there's, pl- there's, pl- there's plenty that we could play around with. Yeah. Um, I, I think you could what even... What about a Muppets last year? No, I'm sorry. No, we're, we're getting... <laughs> that's, that's, that's a whole different... I, th- I think, to be honest, the film is so... The, the characters are sort of, to an extent, so uh, un- underdeveloped and generic, generic in some respects that you could give... You could just about give You could give them to, them to a lot of people and they'd do really well. I think you could have, like... I'd love to see someone like Lupita and Younger play the, the unicorn. Yeah. And, like... Oh, man. Mm, that would yeah. be so good. Yeah, she, because all the stuff that she's done in her career has been fantastic. I could see her playing, like, this... Unicorn princess that's slowly losing memory and do it really well and yeah. be affecting. Oh, that'd be so good. Um, at the same time, yeah, like Schmendrick could be played by a lot of people. Schmendrick could be played by Jack Black and it would still work. <laughs> um, Actually, that would Andy be Andy Sandberg. Andy Sandberg. Oh, oh and, yeah, no, no, yeah you're right. Andy Sandberg. Yeah. It's Andy Sandberg. Sorry. What about what about what about Leah? Who would play Leah? 
Yeah. Who, who's your generic blonde leading man at the moment? Oh, one of the Chris Hemsworth. Pratt, isn't it? One of the Chris's. Yeah, one of the Chris's. It's a Chris. It's Pratt, it's Pine, it's Hemsworth. It's Just take your Evans. pick. I mean, yeah, yeah Chris Evans. Oh. Uh, oh. No, maybe. Oh, Chris Evans does play dumb really well. Yeah. Like in a lot of the old films that he did, like none of the team movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Even Scott Pilgrim. I, I reckon he'd be really good as Lear in this. Yeah, yeah. He, he. I mean. He'd be fine. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He might be getting a little bit old now. I think Jeff Bridges' nephew's in acting too, Bo Bridges' Ooh. son. Oh, there we go. We'll get Done. Jeff, yeah, yeah. We'll get Jeff Bridges to do it then. Done. He's, uh, Jeff Bridges' uh, nephew. nephew yeah. yeah. And Jeff Bridges can play Haggard. Yeah. Yes. That works. The unicorns really tie the ocean together, man. That's <laughs> <laughs> all good. Uh, yeah, excellent. Well, I, I, and finally, I guess, who would be Molly Grew then? Ooh. Catherine, get- Catherine Tate. Catherine Tate. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. Because yeah. I, I, I was starting to think like sort of your more classical English actresses, so someone like Julie Walters or something like uh, that. Yeah. But I really like Catherine Tate. Catherine Tate. I just um the reason she popped into my head is uh, any of you guys watched the new season of DuckTales? No. With no, David she's Tennant? yeah, no, she's she, in it, isn't she, she is one of the characters in that magic of a spell. Hmm. And um I just remember sitting there just because this is like flashing back to all the old memories, probably hmm. what you just had experienced yeah. with the last unicorn watching yeah. this new DuckTales and going Oh, this is really good now. Yeah. As opposed to kind of the crumminess <laughs> that it was before. Yeah. Which you'd probably see if... DuckTales was great. DuckTales was great. The, yeah, seriously. The new the one's new. really good? Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. I like DuckTales. Mm. Moving on from DuckTales, back to some movie uh, trivia. Um, in 2010, the co-director of this film, Jules Bass, revealed that Jeff Bridges called him out of the blue and volunteered to do the film for free. Oh, jeez. Um, and also recommended his friend Jimmy Webb for the soundtrack. And Jimmy Which Webb, Jimmy Webb did. Yeah, so... Yeah, just Jeff Bridges is like, you know, rang up, said, this sounds cool. I'll, I'll do anything. I'll, I'll probably do it. <laughs> I'll play know. a guy who wants to bang a unicorn. Let's yeah. go for it. <laughs> <laughs> <Pretty much>. mm. <laughs> yeah. um, the soundtrack by America was one of the best-selling albums in of 1983 no in wonder, Germany. I tell you what, no wonder you can't find a bloody copy of it anymore. Yeah, I, yeah. why not? All the Germans have it. That's <laughs> why. Yes. Curse you. Did we find out what the word for unicorn was yet? I can look it up. What's the, what's the German word for last while we're here? Letzter. Letster. Letster. Okay, so it'd be like Das Letster. D Letster. Well, depends on what gender unicorn is. Well, well she's a. She's me a No, pharaoh, no, no, no. So. But no, what the, the gender oh, of the yes, noun of course, unicorn Oh, yes, of course, of the actual. Is. Okay. Well, we will let you. Uh, yeah. We'll, we'll let Jason, our, uh, our resident uh, German expert. Yes. Yeah. You may look this up. It is Einhorn. There we Einhorn. go. Einhorn. It cool. is Einhorn. So it's D or D or Das Letster Einhorn. Hmm. I like it. Yes. There you go. But yes, nice. uh, everyone in Germany has a copy. So next time you're over, uh, Ellen, you can I've just I've never been to one. Germany. So when I go to Germany, I'll just go <laughs> through and like rifle through people's houses. Have you got a copy of the Last Unicorn soundtrack? Have you got a copy of the Last No. Get, it, get out of a house. <laughs> I just got a copy. Mm. It is not an actual physical copy. I haven't looked for a long time. I'm pretty sure I got the soundtrack like mm. early 2000s. So I reckon if I looked now, it would probably be somewhere on Amazon. Mm. And to be fair, if you like search for stuff enough, eventually they often like republish things like yeah, CDs yeah. and books and things like that. Because my mum did enough searches of this really obscure book mm. that eventually somebody went, oh, this has got a lot of Google searches. Maybe we should republish this. And they did. Mm. Mm. The word Schmendrick, um, <laughs> which is the name of the inept magician that makes <laughs> Jason so laugh, <laughs> is based on the Yiddish slang word schlemel or schlemiel, which means unlucky bungler. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm. Yes, so yeah, we called it Bungles at one point. Yeah, yeah, he should have just been Bungles the Wizard. Mm. Um, That's great. And finally, some alternate castings. Oh. So there were a couple of uh, alternate voices for King Haggard. Now, obviously, Christopher Lee is perfect. Yes. So 
do you think these people could have done as good a job? Mm. There's uh, John Carradine. No. No. Uh, he's uh. David Carradine's. Yeah. 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 John Carradine, I think, could have potentially done it. I've yeah. never seen John Carradine in anything. I don't know who he's, he is. If, if, he's, I think he's got the right voice for a villain, but obviously when you're up against Christopher, Christopher Lee. Lee. Christopher hard. Lee was a bit like, not as low as yeah, we've it, gotten used to him yeah. being. The other one was James Earl Jones. Oh, yeah. Ooh, and this was yeah. the, this was obviously, you know, post-Star Wars. Yeah, but, just yeah. barely. So, yeah, it could have been uh, could have been interesting. Mm. And a couple of alternate voices for Schmenderick, okay? Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Would have worked. Go, go, Would have worked. Go, 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 gotta get that. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta, gotta. yeah. Gotta, gotta get the spell. Gotta get the spell. <laughs> um, Harrison Ford. Oh, really? What? Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Well, again, post-Star Wars, obviously decrease. they were like, hey, you've done all like fantasy stuff, James Earl Jones, Harrison yeah. Ford, why not? <laughs> I don't think Harrison Ford would have worked at all. No, I don't really don't he think would he would have. So he would have been grumpy. Good. He would have been He would have hated being there. He would have yeah. hated it. He oh. would have been better as Leah. Yeah. Yeah. Than as old man Harrison Ford. And Love the, him. the other actor who we've got listed here is Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill would... He would have yeah. been great as Schmendrick. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Mark Hamill is... Oh, man, he'd be great as Schmendrick now. He would. Mm. He would. He does do it. God. Um, mm. uh, there's also a couple of other uh, voices for Prince Lear, if yeah. we haven't had uh, Jeff Bridges. Uh, Michael, Out of the blue for free. Michael Crawford. <laughs> okay, no, but okay, no. But Michael Crawford sings too pretty. Yeah. But, yeah, okay, true. But then he would have got to sing the Jeff Bridges song. Oh, it would have been really nice. Yeah. Also... Well, this was... Okay, when did Phantom of the Opera come out? Because this would have been before it. Um, yeah. So that's it's... interesting mm. because they didn't know that he could sing. That was the thing. He was on some crappy soap and he just... Started singing. He just started yeah. singing and they were like, oh my God, you need to like audition for this thing. And he did and he got the, t- the lead role. Michael Crawford could do both... <laughs> Um, Schmenjamin, yeah, Schmenjamin, and, um, and the prince by doing like you know sexy Phantom of the Opera voice, and then some mothers do have them, yeah, and just oh Betty, yeah, <laughs> I'll try a bit of magic. <laughs> uh, a couple of the other options for the Prince Lear, uh, Richard Harris. Oh wow, mm. yeah. I mean, this is you know a good like twenty years before he dumbled all, so yeah, he wouldn't have had that. Oh, alas, earwax. You know, that kind yeah, of voice. Like kind the, of the old breathy man. old guy. Yeah. Yeah. Mind um, you, he did have that for a long time. Yeah. But it's mm. the drugs. Yeah. And, uh, and the alcohol. Uh, Kurt Russell was the other one. Oh, really? Yeah. Considering this is the same time he's making the thing, I think yeah. it would have been really interesting. <laughs> but this is also that point when, like, you kind of do get Kurt Russell and Jeff Bridges sometimes mixed up. Mm. Um, so I can kind of see that. Yeah. So... Yeah, I think ultimately, though, um, they, they probably cast the right people. I think they did the I right thing. I think so, thing. yeah. Yeah. So let's score the film. Uh, Jason, it was your first time watching The Last Unicorn, mm. or uh, in German, Die... Die Letzte Unicorn. Die, Le- Die Letzte Einhorn. Die Letzte Einhorn. Uh, what score would you give it out of uh, out of Zen? Out of Zen? Um, I would give it... <laughs> You asked me, like, you you asked me less German questions in Run Lola Run than you have now for some reason. But. I know. <laughs> um, I I'm gonna give it. I'm jumping between five and a half and six, but I think just because I had fun with it, I think I'm gonna give it six. Mm-hmm. Um, medals that I've made up. Yeah, uh, on my chest, like the prince does. Like there's nobody else to give him medals. He's obviously just yeah. they were making him out of things and just like you know, yeah. I get a medal for giving myself 10 other medals, so ha. (laughs) Yeah, so six medals out of 10. Six medals out of 10. Okay. Alan, what score would you give The Last Unicorn? I'm going to give it seven childhood traumas (laughs) 
out of ten. Is that no, how many it actually gave you? No, no. Actually, this is this is one of the least traumatizing movies I watched as a child. That's the scary thing. I'm, I'm speaking here specifically about Molly's childhood trauma. Mm. Oh, <laughs> but, of course. Oh no, no, Unicorn never came to see me. And why do you see me now when I'm old and ugly and ah? Mm. Yeah, mm. probably probably about a seven. It's it's not as like it's pretty and there's certain elements of it. Like I love the soundtrack. I love like some of the animation styles, but it is really all over the place in terms of like consistency in terms of the animation. Um, looking at it from like a yeah, there's a lot of telling rather than showing, mm. and the story's a bit clunky. But there's also a, an element of always tinted. Like I watched this a million times as a child, so like there's mm. there's always going to be nostalgia an enjoyment is, there. Nostalgia is giving you a nostalgia big... is a big part of and a lot n- of these. Kind and of nostalgia things. will always be. Oh yeah. Like we gave Back to the Future ten because that was what uh... I watched probably at the same at the same time you watched the last Unicorn. I was probably watching Back to the Future. Yeah. Yeah. So we have we all have our own foibles, and I can see why. Like this would be a film that I guess as I'm getting older, I'm th- sitting there thinking about some films going. What ones would I show to kids now? Mm. Yeah, like certain ones, like you know, uh, looking back at the old VCR collection that I've got at my parents, I've got yeah. a nephew now, mm. and I'm just sitting there just going, "Oh, the steadfast Tin soldier, no, get rid of that. That was dull." Mm. But now, <laughs> and I'm sitting there just going, "Okay, well, Kiki's delivery service." Like I'm going through things now, and the last unicorn might make it on there. Yeah, this is, this, really is, this, make- is, this is the kind of thing that I would I would show my niece. I think this is quite a bad film. Yeah, but how same, many how many amorous trees do you? Give well, it out oh, of amorous trees is exactly where I was going. So well done. Um, how did I you know? know? You, I know you. I like too it. Well yeah. All his magic just turns into sexy things. Yeah. Like, boom, sexy tree. Boom, boom sexy, sexy lady. lady. Yeah. Sexy yeah, anime the, girl so with just purple keep your mind. eyes. Yeah. And he's really the Austin long Powers hair. of wizards. Yeah. <laughs> he just goes, yeah, he should have been called. Um, Schmend- I'm trying to make sh- uh, Shagadelic and Schmendrick together, and it's not working. It's not working. No. Schmendrick. Mike Myers could have done it. Mike Myers could have. Schmike Schmeyers would have been would have been excellent. Mike Myers would have made a great Schmendrick. Yeah. yeah. Um, but for me, yeah. Look, it's it's. I don't like this film, but this film is okay. I I I, I think like the story is badly put together the animation is sort of okay to maybe a little bit poor in parts mm. and the soundtrack whilst beautiful kind of leaves me a bit um bored uh, quite frankly yeah it's 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 just not my cup of tea but you may enjoy it at home does it, uh, and if you do you can tell me that my score of four amorous trees out of ten is incorrect <laughs> um the, yep. yeah it's it's it tries something it doesn't necessarily work for me but that's okay. Um, that's beca- Rankin Bass in the eighties. Exactly. Mm. You know, it's just these things happen. Uh, but it was. It, I think it's still worth watching. Um, mm. And I am glad that I've been able to watch it again and sort of see um, and see what what did work for for me and largely what didn't. Obviously mm. not the butterfly because you had no memory of it whatsoever. <laughs> no, didn't remember that. Uh, I didn't remember quite a lot of this film to be honest. But yeah, the butterfly was <laughs> like repressed it. Nope. Nothing. Do not remember this thing at all. So um, I remember being very like, well, if you're what ma- with the butterfly when I was a kid? Mm. But I used to, of course, because it was singing, I used to sing along with it because I used to know all the words that it was singing. Mm-hmm. I did find on the internet the entire butterfly monologue. Oh, yeah. It's it's not pretty. No. Like, there are even bits that I don't remember and I just watched it. <laughs> yeah. So. So. Has anybody here seen Kelly? Yeah. It's, a, how- it's also a weird mix of songs and it's like, okay, so is the butterfly like a time-traveling butterfly? Because I feel like if this is set in like a weird pseudo-medieval mm. period, these songs are after that, a lot yeah. of them. It's, it's, like, um, <laughs> it's like somebody weirdly looked forward 15 years and saw the genie from Aladdin mm. and then yeah. tried to put it into a film yeah. without any of right. their cleverness... 
subtext or Robin Williams or Robin or Williams. Robin Williams. Yeah. So they did. They yeah. It, so, they did the thing that they did in something rotten, which was what's going to be the big thing in the future. This okay, let's try that and then just mess it up entirely. Yeah. Uh, cool. But that brings us to the end of this review of uh, the Last Unicorn. So Ellen and Jason, thank you very much for joining me. Thanks. And for those of you listening at home, we are available ooh, in so many ways. One of those ways is Facebook. You can find us there by searching for the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Uh, you can see what films are going to be coming up. Uh, obviously, with it being Halloween soon, there might be the odd spooky film here and there coming up. Uh, we are also available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and other podcasting and podcatching services. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club there. And we have a Patreon. If you want to become an official member of the club and get a few bonus goodies, you can find us at Patreon patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast but that's all for this week so until next time goodbye bye farewell you have been listening to a thought jar productions podcast for more information please visit thoughtjarproductions.com